0: You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, That the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. For you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." Grass withers, and the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. So we've got one last week in this section from the Gospel of Luke. I've gotten real bogged down here at the end, but we're almost wrapped up with chapter 24. And this last section, we just want to take this morning to focus in really upon verses 49, 45 through 49. Just the last four verses of this section. This is what's recognized as Luke's Great Commission. This is typically when someone thinks of the Great Commission, they're thinking of a passage in Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. says this in Matthew. You'll you'll recognize this one more likely. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. That's kind of the famous Great Commission passage. But Luke has one of his own. The Matthew commissioning of Jesus likely happens after this conversation we have here in Luke. We know we, in Matthew they go out to Galilee where he's going to uh, ascend into the heavens, which is next week. And he tells them this commission there in, in, Gal- in, in this other region that they're not at right now. Here this morning, they're still in this room together. He's just shown up here to them, he's opened their minds to the scriptures. And has uh, has ate with them, has shown himself to them. His resurrection body is real. He is there in this room with them. And it brings them to this next question. Because we, we have this impulse, right? This impulse of what's next? I mean, okay, so this is incredible, Jesus, who was the Son of God and manifests these miracles and healings and throwing out demons and raising people from the dead and calming nature, this one who has this incredible power is crucified, dies upon a cross, and then he's resurrected from the grave. This is incredible, but it kind of leaves them with, oh, okay, what, what now? Is this now when the kingdom is going to return? What's, what's next in the life of Jesus' followers? This is such an important moment in the life of the church. There's a real now what? Jesus has resurrected from the dead, really bodily there with his followers. What are they going to do now? And this morning, we're going to dig into this text a little bit and see what Jesus is communicating to his disciples. This comes after all of this revealing of Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. He talks takes these three sections of the Old Testament; they stand in for the whole of it. All that's written in Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms, all of the poetry, all of the all the prophets, all of the writings of Moses, all the history, pointing towards this moment, this fulfillment of Jesus. That he has died according to the plan. According to the plan, his death and resurrection has incurred uh, has occurred. But from this statement, we we see four things. We see their identity, we see their message, we see their intended audience, and we see their empowerment. Jesus, in this text, communicates to them their identity, their message, their audience, and their empowerment. The big idea is that there is a mission to undertake. There is something to do. And it is a mission based upon an identity bigger than yourself with a message not about yourself to everyone, not just to those like yourself, by a power not of yourself. There is a mission to undertake, but it is not based upon yourself, someone much larger. It is a message not about yourself, about someone else. And it is to everyone, not just to those that are like yourself. And it is done by a power greater than yourself. This is the mission that Jesus is pushing. But first, let's understand their identity. Jesus tells them, right, you can look right here in the text, that there's a proclaiming, verse 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. There's a proclaiming that should be happened, but it is to be proclaimed in His name. There's a message to be proclaimed in His name. And what's meant by this phrase? is that they are to go out with this proclamation as Christ's ambassadors, as His representatives. They are to go forth proclaiming not their own message, not as their own individuals, but they are to proclaim in His name. They are not to take this message and proclaim it in their own name, for their own benefit, for their own popularity, for their own personal advantage. It is to be a message delivered in Christ's name proclaim this in my name as his representatives and what makes that little statement so important is that it gives i think a lot of insight into the whole understanding of the christian life those who are christ are his totally and completely or not at all those who are christ are his totally and completely Or not at all. They are to take this message and they are to do it in Christ's name. Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, he says, No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Is what he's talking about there in Luke 16. But there's this reality of the Christian life, one who has been captured by Christ, his identity, who everything he or she is, is caught up into who Christ is, into the coming of his kingdom. And their life is now lived. The message they go out, the things they now say, are done not for themselves, their own benefit, their own identity but they are done in his name. When Christ captures a person, he delivers them like the Colossians tells us. He delivers them from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son of God's love or however you want to translate uh, that, that verse. They're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They become citizens of a different kingdom. They don't straddle both kingdoms with one foot in the dark kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, and one foot in the kingdom of the eternal Son. They are transferred into his kingdom. So this message that they are to take out is to be one that they do in the name of Jesus. It's what Paul is communicating in 2 Corinthians 5. If you got your pew Bible out, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This whole idea of the ambassadorship that we have as Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, is page 1147 of your pew Bible. Follow along with me so you know I'm not making stuff up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11, says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. But we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he dies for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 14 and 15, just getting right to the heart of what I'm trying to communicate here. The message is to be given in the name of Christ because the one who has been captured by Christ now has a new identity. It is not their own. It is one that is in Christ. He died for all so that those who might live No longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, Reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See how this message, this proclamation of reconciliation, is all in the context of a transferring out of the kingdom of darkness into Christ's kingdom. That is, verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, their sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, that being Jesus, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And it it's out of this new radical identity that the disciples then hear this commission, their audience and their empowerment. Is, if you can't get past this identity, the rest of it loses all of its meaning and purpose. This identity, this new identity. Do you know yourself in this way? Is your life... Has your life been captured by Christ in this way? So that you can say, who I once was is no longer who I am now. I have been brought to life in Jesus Christ. The life I now live is no longer my own. I live it by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. This new identity that Jesus is giving to them, they are going to go out and proclaim this message in his name. Because they're no longer on team self. They're they're with Jesus. They're with this one who lived, died, and rose from the dead for their salvation. When this happens in a life, Christ, though, does not leave his people on their own. So, this identity they are given, and now they are are pushed forward a, a life of living sacrifice for Jesus and his kingdom. And that life has a message, it has an audience. And it has an empowering. So then, back to our text. They've got this identity in Christ, in his name. They're going to proclaim a message. Well, what is the message that they're going to proclaim? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's right here in your Bible. He says, verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. The message of repentance and forgiveness of sin. These two messages together: repentance, forgiveness of sin. Now, the message of repentance is not new to the Gospel of Luke. If you remember, John the Baptist shows up, begins proclaiming a baptism of repentance. That's what John the Baptist preached, and it still is a vital component of true Christianity. It's vital in that if there is no repentance, if there is no turning from sin. There is no real life. There is no real Christianity. Back to the passage of the Luke 16. You cannot love one and hate the other. There is no middle ground. You cannot cling to your sin and cling to Christ at the same time. That is not, it's antithetical to the Christian message. There is a turning away from what is to be proclaimed is a message of repentance, which is to say, that which displeases God. Look at your catechism from this morning. What is sin? It says displeasing, a, a disobedience, a turning away from God. There has to be a repentance, a confession of that, a turning from all of that which displeases God, and a turning to Christ. This is the part of the Christian message that is still so unpopular. (laughs) Because honestly, who wants to be told they're wrong and they need to repent? Well, none of us. I would really much rather just sit down and have someone tell me how I'm doing everything right. I'm killing it. You're doing wonderful. Good job. Pat's on the back. Keep it up. It would be a lie, and I would know it internally. If someone told me that, I would call. I'd say, you don't know know me. (laughs) You don't know me well enough. But that's the message we think we want in our world today. Pat's on the back. Everything's okay. You're doing great. Keep it up. And the message of the gospel comes along and calls into question that reality because it says, what is the message? Repent. It is saying, yes, you have transgressed. Yes, you have sinned. Yes, you have not done what you ought to have done. And you have done what you should not have done. There is, there is real sin. There's real transgression. God has a standard and you have not met it. So none of us likes to hear that. But the question isn't if it's a message we like to hear, but is it a truth we need to hear? And in the easiest analogy is you go to the doctor not to just have them tell you things you want to hear so you'll feel better about yourself, but you want the truth. If you've got a cancerous tumor growing, you don't want the doctor to say, everything, you're doing great, go on. You, know, you want the truth, don't you? So you can get to the remedy. You can get to the remedy. And that's the message of the gospel has as its first component, the need for a remedy. It isn't a message we like to hear, but it is a truth that we need to hear. If the creator of the universe has planted in our hearts a way to live, if he's further revealed how we should live and love and worship him and we fail, the truth we need to hear is the message of repentance, to turn from those things. It's become popular to minimize what scripture calls sin. You can't call things sin in today's culture. It's offensive to people to say this behavior, this attitude, this hatred, whatever you might say, this arrogance, this pride, all these things you can list off, they are sin, they are transgression against God and will be punished. That God has a righteous standard that man does not meet. God is a just God and it will find punishment. That is not popular. But Christ's message never comes without this call for repentance. Now, we don't end it there. So if you've been, if you've been listening and now I've made you mad and you're going to check out, you're going to miss the whole point of, of the call for repentance. And it's funny, I'll have people do this. They'll show up, they'll hear me talk about the need for repentance, and they'll get so mad at me for daring to say they're not perfect that they shut off and don't hear the rest of the gospel message. Because what is is the proclamation? Repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The admittance of, yes, I have transgressed. Yes, there is distance between me and God because of my own sin is now a message of, but there is forgiveness in the work of Jesus Christ. That is why he has gone to the cross to save you from your sins, to rescue you out of your transgression. The justice that is coming your way because of your sin is laid upon Christ on his cross so that through repentance and faith in him, that transgression that's against you, not because you deserve it, not because you earn it, but out of pure unmerited favor, which is what grace is, God wipes that away through the work of Christ. That's real good news. That the ought, the distance between you and God is remedied by this work of Christ. This message that is given out, that they are to proclaim, is the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The good news is that the call of Christ, that the call of Christ brings with it a declaration of forgiveness to all then who do repent. So they communicate their identity, their message. Their audience, who's the recipient of this message? Who, do we, who does this text say is to be the recipient of this message? Repentance, forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now, that's the Greek word ethne, um, which we, from which we get our, our English word ethnicity. It doesn't mean specifically nation, state. It's talking about peoples. Every Sunday, we have on the back of our folder, unreached people groups, Right? Those are peoples. That's where we get this idea is from this term right here. To all ethnos, to all, to all nations, to all people groups. It isn't just what we think of today as nations, but a specific category of individuals with a shared geography, language, and culture. Jesus says that this gospel message is for all peoples. That's very important for us. I mean, you think, well, okay, this is now I'm going to fall asleep again. That's very important for us. You know why that's important for us? We are not the original audience of the gospel. They are in a Middle Eastern context. They are in Jerusalem. They are in Israel. They are not anywhere near America. America is nowhere on the idea. Christianity is not an American religion. We did not create it. It is not, it is not, it is not something that comes out of America. Christianity is 2,000 years ago founded by this man Jesus Christ in a Middle Eastern context. And so when he says this message of repentance and forgiveness of sins is to proclaim to all nations, that's good news because that means it can come to America and you can hear it. And even you in your modern culture, you can hear this message of repentance and forgiveness of sins and be saved. It is good news that this gospel is to go throughout all the world. It also means that there is no context where the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't impact. There's no context where the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't impact because there is no context where God is not God and man is not sinful in need of reconciliation. There's no context where that isn't the the bigger reality. And there's no micro context. There's no household that this context isn't true. There's no workplace that this context isn't true. There's no friendships that this context isn't true. That there is a God who is God, and there is man who is sinful, and there's reconciliation that must happen in order for right standing to happen to God. This means that Mount Air residents, Ringgold County dwellers, are an ethne, a people group, that needs the gospel proclaimed to them. In fulfillment of this commission... We're right in here. You're in the Bible. Right there you are. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, to all ethne, beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus communicates their identity, their message for uh, repentance, forgiveness of sins, their audience, everyone without distinction. And he ends with their empowerment. Because how in the world is this going to be accomplished? How are we going to organize well enough? How are we going to be educated enough? How are we going to be winsome enough? How are we going to be convincing enough? I have. How are we going to get this accomplished? And beyond that, I mean, reaching to all ethne, all people groups, how is this even going to happen in our own context? You ever sit in your house and you think, my influence here is so minuscule? I mean, as you raise kids up through, i got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and you think, boy, I have, I have great influence in many ways, and in some ways, my opinion doesn't matter at all. <laughs> How in the world is the gospel going to reach in my context? How in the world are we going to impact our neighbors across the street they live in their own life. They have their own interests. They have their own uh, ideas about what this should be going on. How in the world are we going to impact our neighbor across the street? Jesus tells them to remain in the city until they are clothed with power from on high. What's that about? What's that about? Not only does he give them a new identity, not only does he tell them what their message is, not only does he tell them who the audience is to, he tells them how this is actually going to happen. That the Holy Spirit, this is what's going to go on in Luke's second book, which is the book of Acts. He's going to relay this reality of Jesus Christ ascends into heaven and then he sends the Holy Spirit down upon his people. What happens there in the second chapter, after he ascends, the Holy Spirit indwells and fills his church, empowering them for the mission. They are not out there working alone. What's this communicating to us? Christ's disciples, they're not their own. Their message is not their own. Their audience is not their own. And they do not go out empowered on their own. What a a grace it is. That the the salvation that we have is not from us. It It is for us and to us. And the mission that we are sent on, even it is not done by us or by our own strength or by our power, but it is done by grace through us. It is not empowered by our own strength, our own intelligence, our own commitment, but it is done by the Holy Spirit working through us. Christ is with them from their initial calling, clear through their final drawing to himself. This is who Jesus is for every one of his disciples. Are you on mission? Is this message your message? If you're not on mission, it's not because you haven't been told one, haven't been given one, you have been. It's right here, Matthew 28, Luke 24. Here's the message. Repentance, turn from self to Christ and receive the forgiveness that is found there. Do you not know who needs to hear it? Look around you. I mean, and even right here in this people group, The gospel needs to happen in churches, not just outside of churches. The gospel needs to be rejuvenated and re-embraced right here among us. Who needs to hear it? Everyone. Do you not think you have what it takes to, to be a successful witness? Good. You don't. We don't. It isn't by our power. It is by Christ who is with us, working through us, that we do this. Do you not have what it takes? Good. You don't, but you do not go alone. This is not about you, which is an incredibly offensive truth in one way, but it's an incredibly liberating truth if you have eyes to see it. This is not about you, but it is done for you. The message we are told to take to our neighbors is the message we have been given ourselves Are we living lives of repentance and faith in Christ's work for our forgiveness? If so, don't live as an amnesiac. Repentance, forgiveness, sins, so thankful I have thou, walk out into the world and forget it. An amnesiac. Don't live that way. Are we living lives of repentance and faith in Christ's work for our forgiveness? If so, the Holy Spirit is clothing you. It is the resurrected Christ who is ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to empower his people, who is for you. Walk in the comfort that you are not your own, you are his. He will keep you. He will comfort you. He will empower you and protect you, and he will ultimately bring you, if you are his, he will bring you all the way home. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your grace. My pride is pushed so low when I have to confess this isn't my goodness, this isn't my working, this isn't my impressiveness. I have none. What I have is a Savior. And I pray for each one of us in this room this morning, God, that our joy, our boast would not be in ourselves, but in Christ who does the saving. In you, the God who worked out that salvation in real time so that we might know you. We might, through repentance, be given forgiveness of sin. All of it coming as a gift that we might have this promised hope The message that we've been given that has reconciled us is when we take out into Mount Air, into Ringgold County, take out into this community for the joy of all the peoples and for your ultimate glory. Father, as we come to communion, I pray that you would work in our hearts, repentance and faith in Christ's work for our behalf. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.